The reading today is from Proverbs 16. So it's sort of in the middle of the Bible, Proverbs 16, and we're going to read verses 1 to 9. The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. Everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured he will not go unpunished. By steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for, and by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues with injustice. The heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Good morning, everyone. It's uh, great that we have this opportunity now to, um, to be in God's Word together. And uh, we're going to be looking at uh, these nine verses from the book of Proverbs. Um, uh, Jared mentioned before that in a couple of weeks' time, there is a, um, a heart and mind lecture coming up uh, through the RTC. Earlier this year, uh, Stephen Lewis, uh, one of our church members, uh, did a heart and mind lecture on Proverbs, and uh, I hadn't preached a lot from Proverbs previously, but uh, that lecture actually really helped uh, understand some of the things that were going on and uh, gave me a little bit of a push along to, to write a sermon uh, from the Proverbs. So that's what we're, uh, we're looking at this morning. So um, before we do that, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you now that we get this time to spend in your word. Uh, Thank you that you have spoken to us uh, so clearly. Thank you for the gospel, uh, the good news of Jesus. Thank you for uh, your concern for how we live our lives. And as we think about that this morning, we pray that you would be at work amongst us uh, by your spirit, uh, through my words in our hearts, uh, so that we might live increasingly for you, for your glory. And we ask this for Jesus' sake. Amen. Now, I wonder what kind of uh, person you are when it comes to making plans for the future. Uh, I was going to ask the question, are you a person who plans for the future or not? But that's probably not really fair. We all plan in some way for what's to come. Uh, Even the decision not to plan is a plan in and of itself. Uh, Personally, I'm pretty, pretty big into planning, Uh, planning out my week, planning out my month. Uh, I like to have a pretty clear idea of my week ahead. Uh, I like to have the diary kind of locked down and no surprises uh, coming my way. Uh, one of the favorite places in our house is the uh, the month planner, which is about two meters wide that sits on the door just outside the pantry. So when I'm hungry, uh, I can at least see what's coming up in the weeks to come. Uh, One of my favourite things to do when I'm coming back from one lot of annual leave is to plan out when my next lot of annual leave will be, although that might say about much about my love of holidays as it does my planning. In fact, if I'm planning a holiday, I'm I'm kind of in my happy place. What about you? How much and how do you go about your planning for the future? That's really what we're going to be thinking about this morning as we look at these verbs, verses from Proverbs 16. 
uh, we're going to be thinking about uh, how we make plans for the future. I don't know if you noticed when we were reading through them that the, the word plan comes up a number of times. It's actually right there at the start. If you, if you have a look in verse 1, it talks about the plans of the heart. And it finishes there in verse 9 with the heart of a man plans his way. Uh, it starts with plans. It ends with plans. The, the stuff in the middle we can safely assume is about planning. In fact, this is how we know that this is sort of a a block of uh, common material within the book of Proverbs. Uh, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I read Proverbs, it feels like it sort of jumps all over the place. There's this sort of sluggards, and then there's rich men, and then there's um, what to do with your donkey, and then there's all sorts of things. But, But here we can actually see a block that fits together, and it's all about planning. But interestingly, I don't think these verses have much to say about whether you're a meticulous planner or a casual planner, whether you have a month calendar sitting on your wall or whether you fly by the seat of your your pants. You're a freak if you do that, but you know that's just my opinion. In fact, I think those things have got, got more to do about our personalities. But what this does have to say and does have to talk about is how God fits in with our planning. Actually, that's probably not even particularly accurate. It's more likely how God's plans and God's ways shape our planning for this week and for the future. Whether God is at the center of our plans or we are. Now, we're going to start, first of all, at the beginning, uh, verses 1 and 2. Because I think verses 1 and 2 start with laying some groundwork. Uh, and in fact, they teach us or they remind us of two things about God, who he is and what he is like, that form the basis for our planning for the future. So let's have a look. Let's have a look at verse 1 to start with, where it says, The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. This verse, verse 1, is reminding us that in all things God is sovereign. In all things, God is the one who reigns, who rules, and he always has his way. Now, this is one of those proverbs which is a comparison proverb. Notice that halfway through there's a little word, that little but. It says, one thing, but another thing. The first part says the plans of the heart belong to a man. I don't think this is being negative about planning, about making plans. It's stating a fact. All of us in our hearts have plans. We have ambitions. We have dreams for the future. All of us think about the week to come or the year to come or the rest of our life. And we have things that we want to do, things that we want to accomplish, things that we want to be a part of. But, (laughs) says the Proverbs, you you have those plans, but look what it says. The answer of the tongue is always from the Lord. Everything that happens in your life, every minute detail, actually comes from God. Even the very words that come out of your mouth are part of the sovereign plan and purposes of God. Make all the plans that you want, have all the dreams that you desire, but remember this, everything that happens is part of the plan of God. 
Now, there's a tension here, isn't there, if we think about it? There's a, there's a tension here between our ability to think and act and speak and God's sovereignty over everything that there is. It's a, it's a tension that actually exists throughout the Bible. It's everywhere. But it's actually a tension that the Bible doesn't try to solve for us. Both things are true. We are created in the image of God. We are thinking, acting, planning people. We, we, we can do things and God is sovereign over all of it. He's, we, we're not robots that he's sort of remote controlling. We, we've got the ability to act, but at the same time, he is sovereign over all. All right, that's the first truth about God that impacts the way we plan for the future. The second truth is there in verse 2. Let's have a look. It says, All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but <laughs> the Lord weighs his spirit. It's interesting how it puts this, isn't it? Notice how, how we judge our ways. We judge the things that we do, the things that we say. We judge the, the, the outcomes that we say, but God is weighing the Spirit. God knows the inner motives. God knows the hidden thoughts and the secret desires. But there's a problem here, isn't there? We judge our ways as pure. There's something wrong with the kind of internal scales of our heart. There's something wrong with, it, with our GPS system internally. We think we're going in the right way. We've deluded ourselves into thinking that we're okay, but what's happening is God is weighing our spirit. Now, we, we know this about ourselves, don't we? How, how easy it is for us to justify our own actions. I was having a bad day, you know, kind of, I can excuse myself that one. We sort of look at the person down the road, and we think, oh, I'm nowhere near as bad as that person. What, what I'm doing over here, you know, it's kind of understandable. Surely God understands that every now and then I just need to cut loose and, and have a little bit of fun. My actions aren't hurting anybody. Well, the proverb says, well, in your own eyes, yeah, your ways are pure. But God weighs the spirit. In our planning, God is both sovereign and he is judge. Now, as most of you know, I, I grew up in New Zealand. I uh, felt a call at age 18 to, to think about preparing for, for ministry, and so I uh, made my way across to Australia, uh, to Geelong here, to start studying. Uh, at that point in time, I had never been uh, out of New Zealand, uh, and mostly what I knew about Australia was that they're really, really bad at rugby. That was, that was one thing, of course. Um, but that people went to Australia... Uh, to get warm, you know? And so, you know, people went on midwinter breaks to the Gold Coast and they were, they were snorkeling on the Great Barrier Reef and they were having holidays out in the desert where you, you assumed that it was hot and warm. And so I began to picture my life in Australia, t-shirt and shorts and 
I'd be wearing thongs all day. We called them jandals in New Zealand, of course, but uh, it was different. I, I'd learn to surf. I'd be tanned. I might grow my hair long or something like that. I sort of had this wonderful picture of what my life would be like uh, in this country. And then before I came, I thought, I'd better check on a map where Geelong actually is. Uh, you didn't have Google Maps back then, so I had to get out the old uh, atlas, and I started to look. I started in Cairns. Geelong, where is it? Where is it? I have to make my way further down. Sort of Townsville, it's not there either. Sun, Sunshine Coast, it's got to be around that area. No, no Sunshine Coast, Geelong. Gold Coast, not, not even near Sydney. And then I found it. And apart from Tassie, it's right at the bottom of the map. It was further from the equator than where I lived in New Zealand. It was closer to Antarctica to where I lived in New Zealand. All of a sudden, these plans of my life in Australia began to evaporate. You see, I, I, I needed to plan based not on a dream fantasy, but on a reality. And in a much bigger way, you, you and I, when we are making plans for the future, we need to make those plans based in reality. Not, not a dreamland where God might exist might be a little bit powerful, might be slightly concerned about what I have to say and do, but a reality where God is sovereign, where he's in control, and where God is judge, where he, he's not just justifying my actions, he's weighing up my spirit. That's a very different way of planning for our future, isn't it? Well, it's actually to those two different ways of planning that, that the Proverbs now go. As, as Proverbs often does, it, it makes a comparison between the way of the wicked and the way of the righteous. The, the way of the person who ignores God and the way of the person who submits to God. And that's really where we're going in verses 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7. Verses four, 3 and 4, or 4 and 5, We'll start with verses 4 and 5. They are really talking about the way of the wicked. Let's have a look at what they says. It says, The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. Everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. He will not go unpunished. Notice, notice how, what it says of people who make their plans without thought of God. It says they are arrogant. It's a pretty strong word, isn't it? It's a pretty strong word. Now, why would it use such a, a strong word? Well, this person in their planning puts themselves in the place of God. I am sovereign. I control my own destiny. I, I can go whichever way I want to go and I will be right about it. Proverbs says that's arrogant. Luke 12, Jesus told a parable of someone who was in this position, someone who, who God blessed abundantly. He had a bumper harvest, and he said, oh, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger barns, and I'll, you know, I'll lay things up for years to come. And God says to that person, you fool, for tonight your very life will be demanded from you. He planned for the future thinking he was sovereign and he was judge. And yet in the end, he faced the one who was sovereign and who was judge. 
Look at what it says also in in verse 5. It talks about that person being an abomination to the Lord. Now, when you read the Bible and you read this word abomination, that should sort of ding. (laughs) That's a really, really strong word. It's like the height, the height of things that offend God, that arouse his wrath, his anger, that are deserving punishment. Because it is the kind of thing that denies who God is and what he is like. Such a person denies that God is in control and God will judge. Now, when we think about this, it's, it's kind of easy to think about this in relation to people out there, isn't it? I, I do that. Oh, oh, those foolish people. If, if only they knew differently. If only they knew that, that, that they are called arrogant, they're an abomination, and that there is a day of trouble coming for them. But Proverbs isn't written so that we will feel all safe and comfortable while we judge everybody outside of the church. It's actually written so that we will examine our hearts and it will lead us to repentance. So I think about some of the plans that I make, some of the way that I think about the future. And so often the plans that I make ignore God. Now, of course... I pray that God will bless my plans, like we all do. God, I'm doing this. I'm sure you think it's okay. Please bless it. But submitting my plans to him, being open to him changing my plans, seeking his leading in my planning, that's not always at the center. And Maybe this morning that strikes a chord with you as well. Maybe there's some recognition for you too. Yeah, sometimes my planning, maybe even a lot, is actually closer to the way of the wicked than the way of the righteous. I make my plans not as though God was sovereign, but I am. Not as though God is judge, but I am judge. Now, if you're a Christian, if you're a person who has put their faith in the Lord Jesus and trusted him for forgiveness, then that sense of conviction and guilt should not scare you. That's actually the work of the Holy Spirit driving us again to Jesus. That's the work of God by his Spirit pointing us again to Jesus and the forgiveness that is available in him. In fact, we shouldn't be scared of it because this is actually the daily activity of people who, who follow the Lord Jesus. We're convicted of our sin. We're pointed to the cross and we come to him in repentance. We, we turn from our sin and we cling again in faith to Christ who saves us. And we find that Jesus then turns us to a better way. And we'll come to that in a moment. But, but I just want to talk just for a moment just to anybody here that is not a believer in the Lord Jesus yet. Maybe you're a person who, who came along to church for the first time today, or maybe you've been coming a lot, or 
Maybe you come your whole life, but you haven't taken that step of trusting in Jesus. I'm obliged to say something to you here. That if you continue in this way, what Proverbs says is the way of the wicked, there is for you what these verses call a day of trouble and a time of punishment. A day when you will meet the God who created you and is sovereign over you and who does judge you. Now, I don't say that because I don't like you or because I'm being judgmental. I'm saying that out of love so that you will turn to a better way. Turn to a saviour who loves and freely offers forgiveness. It's a way that the Proverbs calls the way of the righteous. It's not the way of people who are better than you at all. It's the way of people who've found a saviour and found a life in him. Now let's go there now, and we're going to pick it up then at, at verse 6 in our, in our Bibles here. And I'm going to ask you to work hard here for a moment. Uh, that's okay, okay? We, we come to church to work, like we come to study the Bible, so it's all right if we have to use a bit of, bit of brain power to do that. Let's have a look at verse 6. Well, there it says, By steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for. Now, I want to ask a question here. Whose steadfast love and faithfulness is this talking about? Whose steadfast love and faithfulness atones for or covers over our sin? Now, immediately, we want to say God's steadfast love and faithfulness. God's steadfast love and faithfulness expressed in Jesus, maybe, maybe we want to say. We sung a song this morning uh, from Psalm 107, which talked about God's steadfast love. And often in the Bible, steadfast love and faithfulness, it is talking about God. In fact, that's the way that many commentators on this passage take it. That's how I want to take it. But let's have a look. Let's have a look at the second half of verse 6. Now, before we saw a contrasting proverb, something but something, this is a parallel proverbs. This and this, verse 6, by steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for, and by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. Whose fear of the Lord is that talking about? Well, usually when it's talking about the fear of the Lord, it's talking about a person. It's talking about us. And in fact, back in Proverbs 3, steadfast love and faithfulness put together is talking about our actions how we go. Now, you, you want to say to me, and I want to say at the same time, this isn't right. I can't save myself. I, I can't show enough steadfast love and faithfulness that God will cover over my sin. That It would be arrogant even to think along that way. And that's true. But throughout the book of Proverbs, there is a hope that is held out, that there will be someone, someone who does, someone who can, somebody who will live a perfectly wise life 
in the way of the righteous. I want to read this again. I want us to think, who might this be talking about? By steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for. And by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. Verse 7, let's read this one too. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. It's amazing, isn't it? When you see it. It's, it's anticipating, it's longing for none other than the Lord Jesus. The one who will live by steadfast love and faithfulness. And what will he do in that? He will cover over or atone for sin. He, he will pay for it. He will live in the fear of his God perfectly. He will turn from evil. He will turn us from evil. All his ways will please the Lord and even his enemies, you and me, will come to find peace in him. You see, I, I might be able to live with, with a little bit of love and, and faithfulness, steadfast love and faithfulness. And that, that, that steadfast love and faithfulness might cover over some of my wrongdoing, like in a marriage, you know, for example, I might be nasty to my, to my wife, nasty to Tracy, but through steadfast love and faithfulness, she'll forgive me, you know, we'll kind of move on. Maybe we can please God with our, our ways, we can live in a good way, and some of our enemies will become our friends, but it's limited, isn't it? It's so, so small. And so, so we're looking for one who will do that perfectly. And we find it in the Lord Jesus. One who took on our iniquity so that it would be atoned for. One who took on the iniquity, the sin of his enemies and made them his friends. And so when we're convicted that we are living in the way of the wicked, that we're going in the wrong direction, we can find that we can turn to him and find a saviour who has paid for our sin, who has made us his friends and brought us into his family forever. You see, once we know Jesus, the, these proverbs actually start to make a lot more sense, don't they? And they actually even start to become somewhat possible to live. I want to go back and have a look at verse 3. Verse 3 is kind of the centerpiece, and we're going to sort of wrap up there. Uh, it's the only command in all of these nine proverbs. Look at what it says. It says, Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. Now, that word commit is actually kind of a strange word. It's not used very often in the, in the Bible. And actually, the literal meaning is of the word is really to roll. It says to roll your work to the Lord. That seems kind of strange, doesn't it? Imagine with me that you, 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 you've run out of petrol in your car. All right. You've been ignoring the fuel gauge days and days on end. It, you know, you thought you had five more kilometers in it. You got caught out, but. You ran out of fuel at the top of a hill, and at the bottom is a petrol station. What do you do? Chuck it into neutral, and you just roll on down into the petrol station. Pro Proverbs are saying, roll your ways, roll your works into the Lord. Put as your highest priority, your highest goal, 
to serve and to honour him. Go about your works, remembering that God is sovereign, he's in control, and he's judged with a desire to please him. And look at what it says, your plans will be established. See, when it comes to planning, when it comes to thinking about the future, our highest goal, our highest priority is to have plans and a life that rolls into the Lord, that submits to him and desires to honour him. We don't, we don't just pray, God bless my plans, but we seek him for those plans. We desire to honour him with those plans. We seek his will for our lives. We plan for things that align with his good purposes and his plans for us. We allow him to change our plans, to shape and to lead. We don't get freaked out when our plans change because we trust in one who is sovereign over all. Now that might mean that we need to start planning for less. I want to just jump to verse 8 there. Look, look at this. It's kind of out, almost seems out of place. Look, look at what it says. It says, Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues with injustice. I think what's happened in Proverbs here is they've thrown in a, a proverb which relates to what's going to come on afterwards, which has a lot to do with that greed and money. In your planning, I think this is saying, plan for less with righteousness than for more with injustice. If we're going to roll our works into the Lord, our planning is often going to be planning for less. It's not going to be the same plans as our neighbours have. We're going to be thinking and dreaming about the future that may be a lot more modest than those around us because God says it's better to have a little with righteousness than a lot with injustice. Verse 9, this is where it finished. The heart of a man plans his way. It's okay. You can plan your way. But the Lord establishes his steps. And in fact, there is actually no better way to live, is there, than to know that there is one who is in control, who loves and forgives, and who judged us righteous in Christ, who has established our steps. That's a God you can trust with your planning and submit to in your planning and roll your works into knowing that he establishes those plans. Let's pray to him now, shall we? Lord God, we, uh, we want to thank you that we can know you as the God who is sovereign, uh, the one who reigns and rules over all things. Thank you that every single part of our life fits into your plan and there's nothing that's random or out of your control or, or surprising to you. And thank you, Lord, that, that you are the one who judges our hearts, but in Christ you have judged them as righteous because our sin has been paid for incomplete. Uh, Lord God, make us people uh, who commit our works to you, um, who want to honour you as our first priority and who make plans according to that. Uh, make our planning, Lord, submit to you, uh, seek your glory, and uh, trust you with all the outcomes. And we ask this for Jesus' sake.
Amén.